0: Hello and welcome to episode 162 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray at the desk and running the numbers of a fascinating and comprehensive report released this week by the Australian Golf Industry Council, showing just what value the game provides to communities around the country. In light of what's happening at Oakley Golf Course in suburban Melbourne, it's both timely and important that golf has the evidence to make its case for being a net positive in the community. And in just a moment, Karen Lunn, chair of the Australian Golf Industry Council, will be along to help us understand the myriad ways that that is true, before we introduce Karen, however, I must bow down to the tipping genius that is co-host Adrian. Like you got some sort of crystal ball out there in left field. You're at 13 wins, is uh, I think it is for the season from the mm-hmm. Playing the Tips podcast. Hey, what's going is, on? We're cross promoting the. Uh, we are cross promoting. I'm, I am in awe. I was thinking about this idea. 13 wins is extraordinary. That's a career for some tipsters. And I, I'm playing a reduced schedule no, I'm as well. I'm only, I've
1: am only i only been on like half the
2: podcasts
1: that you guys have been on. And so what, you're combined for about 10? 14. Right? No, no. That's with I'm the other wishing. co-hosts and everything as well. You can't Just you two.
0: Now wishing I hadn't brought it up. Right. Uh, I doubt that your winnings or those of your followers have been included in the study. So we'll see if Karen might be able to slip them in later. <laughs> They'll make a significant contribution. Uh, also, in Radio, former Golf Australia magazine writer, now freelancer, and as of last weekend, TV commentator Jimmy Emanuel. Jimmy, I actually received this report from you early in the week. It's quite the
2: eye-opener, this, isn't it? It certainly is. I've spent a lot of time around this report in the last couple of weeks, and uh, it is fascinating, exciting, all sorts of ings. It's uh, very, very positive news.
0: And really kind of important. I put the word former in there, just as a subtle reminder. If you're a former something, you can't be a young person anymore. Mm. It's just a little reminder for you that, you know, if you've already,
2: you're not young anymore. Young we people don't have
1: Jimmy form. Jr. I am Jimmy
2: Jr. Because <laughs> Jimmy Nichols, who's Jimmy now Nichols. working with the WPGA Tour of Australasia, yeah. is Jimmy Sr. Jimmy Sr. Well, when we're on the road together, we're the two Jimmies. He's Sr. and I'm Jr. Yeah. So. I'm
0: a Seinfeld guy, so I want to know if you've got the Jimmy legs. <laughs> Enough of all of that. Let's get the lowdown from someone who knows much better than us what's actually in this report. Karen Lunn is the CEO of the WPGA, Chair of the AGIC, And the 1993 Women's British Open champion among 16 professional victories. Karen, welcome. Thanks for taking the time. When you were a youngster, I'm going to guess that those 16 wins in that British Open were what you dreamed of achieving. But this report is a contribution to the game in a different and some might say even more important way.
3: Yeah, um, morning, James. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me. Great to be here with you. Yeah, I mean, it is. It's, um, it's something that's been, um, a, a while cooking away in the background. We've known that, um, anecdotally, we- we've known a lot of this stuff, but probably not the, the actual numbers are quite staggering. So to actually have that hard data now, um, is so valuable to, to not just, you know, the, the organizations that, are in the AGIC, but for everyone that's involved in golf in the country now to get to have all of this information, it just shows how how big golf is, it's getting bigger, and how valuable the sport is, the value that the health, the social, the environmental benefits of the game, um, it's, it's all measured now, so that's going to make a huge difference to everyone in the game moving forward.
0: Yeah. Before we come to some of the specific numbers, and there are some eye-popping ones in there, when, why, and how was the idea for this report born?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, the AGIC, we meet uh, four times a year. Uh, obviously, there was some work done a couple of years ago. Uh, but, th- but this piece of work particularly um, is something that, you know we knew that 2017 was the last data we had and that's a long time ago there's been a lot happened in the world since then particularly through COVID we knew um the game had grown exponentially really through that time um so it was just you know we needed to do some research that's really what the funds that the AGIC raised are used for. so it's it's not just useful for a couple of organizations it's useful for for every organization um that sits within the AGIC so yeah it was just the time was right uh and it's it was proven to be a great Great, um, a great investment and a great story.
0: I reckon you've probably done this already a bunch of times. There'd <laughs> be an organised spiel. What are the, in order of kind of importance is the wrong word, but in order of sort of priorities, what are the numbers that stand out to you from what came back?
3: Well, I guess the the total, the three point three billion. I mean, that's a staggering number. Um, the economic benefits, but yeah, I think one of the ones that that jumped out at me is that golfers live five years longer than than other people. I mean, that's staggering. And the, the health benefits to golfers. I've, I've just got this here in front of me that, um, you know, se- uh, golfers. Um, people that play on course um, have a 7.1% higher overall health and mental wellbeing score than people that don't play golf. You know, those sort of stats, are, you know, basically just show what we all know about golf. Um, but I think particularly for older Australians, you know, for, for that social interaction, um, you know, when you get old, you can't play a lot of other sports, whereas golf, which is a lot of people's second and third sport when they're younger, but as as they retire and move into, you know, their elder ages, then it, it becomes their first sport and it's so Valuable to them, but but the other one that jumped out at me was the the ten point three billion dollar um, annual household spend on golf, but six point seven billion is is spent locally, and for regional areas, the amount of money that's spent in the community by people um, playing golf and and you know engaging in the golf club um, that's staggering. So there's so much in this report. Um, we could spend hours and hours talking about it, but you know some of some of those ones just really jumped out at me, and the environmental stuff. I think particularly given what's going on at Oakley at the moment um you know it's staggering as well you know 890 million um value and the and and the way golf clubs respect and treat the land um compared to if it's just regular green space um makes such a difference so like I said there's so much in it um and it's 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 wonderful for the industry to be armed with all this information
0: we'll come back to some of those because there's some really important ones in there and you'd mentioned Oakley and it's just a it's a microcosm of things that are happening elsewhere in Australia and and around the world but that the the men- the better mental health is that dependent on when you you ask golfers if they've just made a triple, are they feeling their mental health is better? And if they've just made a birdie, is that even stronger?
3: <laughs> yeah, that, that was discussed with Marine we Canberra the other day. It was, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the mental health benefits you know, you, I, I know, um, what it's like to come off the golf course after a bad <laughs> round and be pretty depressed, but but you know, obviously, overall, um, you know, just being out outside. Uh, walking, exercising, being with your friends—it's—it's um, it's gold. It really is.
1: I think it's the with people. Rod, Rod's not been playing a lot of golf, Kaz, and uh, neither you, is
0: Kaz. She was challenged by Mark Allen on the coverage, if I'm not mistaken, this week to get the sticks out and get on course. So we'll be interested to hear what happens with that. Well, Kaz is still a vanguard of health, whereas you're—you're you're
1: sort of in decline. <laughs> And health. your mood is terrible. My mental way. health's but in decline. was terrible. Here. This <laughs> morning, oh, really okay. bad mood. Had
0: some technical issues which are driving me. <laughs> like you're me just insane. walking off a double bogey. Yeah, something. I'm not. Uh, I'm not in a happy place. Will you be taking Marco up on his challenge? Kaz?
3: Um, no, not only- any time <laughs> soon. I mean, unfortunately, one of the reasons that that I finished playing golf ten years ago to take on this role was you know I had a number of injuries that were. Um, you know, I was spending much more time on the physios table than I was spending on the practice range. And, um, yeah, I mean, my, my body's in in better shape since I finished playing, but, but that's only, they were really chronic injuries. Some of them were golf related, some weren't. So, um, I've just given my body some time to heal and, and I'll be back out there at some point, but, but not anytime soon. That's for sure. If I'm going to play, I want to have the time to put that into practice. So maybe a little bit later, you know, down the track when I'm not working so much.
0: Pros, pro, they can't quit, can they, Jimmy? No, not. <laughs> look at you can't Marco. just go out and play socially. You got to go and practice and hit balls. the at Marco, all the other
2: Marco goes and plays all the time, and then he's all competitive yeah. and you know, <laughs> mad
0: about it. So, on your own personal note, Kaz, what do you miss about it? We talk about all the benefits of golf, and I think we, as those in you know those of us who sit around and talk about this sort of stuff, forget about our own interactions with the game. Like right, I haven't played golf for quite a while, but what about what do you miss about it? What is it? What is what is it that it used to do for you that it doesn't anymore?
3: Yeah, I mean, I I miss being outside. Obviously, when you're working full-time, you spend a lot more time inside than you do. I miss being out in the fresh air, you know, hear the birds singing, um, you know, just being out, out and being at one with nature, I suppose. But just the sound of hitting... That perfect shot, the sound and feel off the club. I think that that's that's something that can't be replicated in any other sport. And obviously, I'm probably not as good as other sports as I was at golf. So I probably don't hit the the middle of the the paddle ball uh, pickleball bat um, as often as I hit the middle of the golf club. But uh, yeah, no, I think there's so much that I miss about playing, and I really do miss it, uh, particularly when we go to uh, golf events and everyone's out there on the range and putting green. I'd I'd love to, but but you're right. I mean, I think pr- professional golfers where a, a weird bunch, but to go out and play for fun without preparing properly and, and know that you're going to give your best and play good golf, it's it's really hard to do. So until I have the time to actually, you know, do it properly, then I probably won't. But but when I do have that time, don't you worry, I'll be back out yeah, there. Yeah,
2: it's a, it's, a I, it's good for most. It's a form of mental illness for professionals, <laughs> I think. I spoke to Kari on Monday for something else and we were chatting about when she's going to play and how much she's going to play. And she sort of said, oh, I've got something coming up, but not a huge amount. And I said, is it really nice to be able to do that? And she said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, if you play any more than that, and then she goes, oh, then I go mad. Then I start hitting balls. Then I start taking it seriously, and then it's so not good for me. That yeah, It sort
0: of takes over your life. Logue, what's that to, to you from this report? Because I'm with Karen, I thought that the particularly the environmental one and the, the benefits to golfers are living longer, but what have you got on his mm-hmm.
1: sleeve? Uh, a report like this needs a big headline number, mm-hmm. and obviously the $3.3 billion of uh, Money that golf contributes to the economy is is the big headline number here. Uh, I think it's interesting. Like that's that's a very good way of um, promoting golf and, and a benefit to the community, a very tangible benefit and the sort of benefit that you can quantify there. Uh, what I like in the report that it also tempers that with statistics like the fact that more than half of on course golfers have an annual income below one hundred thousand dollars. Mm. So the privileged few. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So that three point three billion is coming from you know a lot of like thousands and thousands of small transactions, uh, and a lot of it's you know accommodation mm-hmm. and golf peripheral stuff uh, for golf trips and that sort of thing. But you know, golf is contributing all of that with a lot of like you know micro transactions essentially, mm-hmm. like a, a lot of small uh, little payments. It's not always three thousand dollars sets of clubs or mm, or membership. ten thousand dollar memberships. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah. And I think you're right there, um, Adrian, that the one thing the report shows is that, you know, golf, golf isn't only being played by rich people. There are a lot of people out there that, you know, working class people that, you know, they they live and breathe for the game. And a lot of this, a lot of this money spent is is coming from their pockets. So, like I said, there's so much in this report. I think that, you know, for me again, that half of the population um has shown an interest in playing golf. I mean, that's extraordinary. The the potential of the game um is amazing. And particularly for women and girls, we know now that more women and girls are starting their golf journeys at alternative facilities, that they're they're not necessarily playing at a golf course. And I think there's a lot in that. I think that women, um, a lot of women that I know don't want to play competitions. They just want to go out and have a hit, have a bit of fun. Um, You know, they want, they're not interested in the serious competition. So there's a lot to unpack in this report. Um, You know, the fact that um, Australians walk around the planet, I think it's 7,000 times. um, You know, it's extraordinary. It really is. Some of the data in there is extraordinary.
0: Where does that $3.3 billion number come from, Jimmy? People will, people will scoff at that. People from outside the industry. We know there's a fringe element of anti-golf people. Mm-hmm. What are they going to pick apart out of that and say, oh, that, that, that can't be right?
2: Yeah, it's, it's a whole lot of different things. Um, so in terms of the spend of things and then even health-saving benefits is part of what this report is. I think it's $49 million a save because there'd be 166,000 Australians who would be considered physically inactive without golf. Without golf. And their cost to the health system per year comes in at about 290 something dollars a year if they were physically inactive. So, that has been saved by them playing golf. So, that saving amount then gets added in and, and factored in. And we know that that's legit, by the way, because we had the professional <clears> just a couple of weeks ago from San Andrew with who, that who proved that that was prescription actually a golf program. A and, and, and so, there is so many things to it. Like, like Kaz says, there's so many layers to this, um, that it all comes together in that big headline number that like Logue says is important. It is important yeah. But the thing that about this <laughs> excuse me, the report that I think is really good is there's drill down points for every different part of our industry. One of my headline points in this is three point five million Australians have played golf. One point one of or one point something of whom, one point three of whom aren't on golf courses. Right. Mm. That is that embracing of that all-golf-is-golf well, golf golf concept gold, right? from yeah. the Australian Golf Strategy, and that gives us such a healthier number that is really, really good. But then inside that, the the tourism numbers in here are so good for us as, I think, uh, guys like us in doing what we do, and you zone in on Oakley, and about defending. Where are the numbers we can use to defend? The tourism numbers in this report are used to sell. hmm that golf is so important to the Australian economy because it's 1.75 million overnight trips are made for golf. It's amazing, isn't it? That, that really is, is quite that's amazing. Like, that's staggering, that number. But it's such, in amongst all these numbers, it's quite difficult to pull out those highlights. But what this will do is allow, over the period, each section of the industry to use it to their advantage. Um, and I think Kaz has said this a bunch of times about this report that, It's a conversation starter and changer, which is so important. That in the Oakley conversation, there is so much data in here that you can go back and go, look at this.
0: And that health one in particular, I mean, you'll have people who say, well, it should be a park. So people can have passive recreation. What we're saying is lots of people who play golf won't go and walk in a park. Correct. They'll walk around a golf course, but they won't walk in a park. So you're taking something away from people, thinking that you're giving something back, but you're actually not. Karen, you deal with lots and lots and lots of people in your role people in business and sponsorships and all those sorts of things. What is the general sense that you get of what people from outside the game think of the game?
3: Yeah, well, it's interesting because we presented this at Parliament House on Tuesday and I think there were a few golfers in the room, um, some very passionate ones, uh, and there were some that, you know, were new to the game. And I think that when the, the video was presented with um, the, the basically the summary page, um, and then unpacked a little bit. And as Jimmy said, there's, there's so much to this and every, every little stat has got so much underneath that. And I think you're right. We can use this, tailor it to, to everyone that we're speaking to within the industry. But I think people were generally, um, quite shocked, quite shocked. I think it's, um, it really is an eye opener to those. Uh, particularly in Canberra there's a you know obviously the decision makers are there and and for a lot of them looking at that screen I think it was for us it was you know it could be a game changer moving forward because we've never been armed with this kind of data that's so comprehensive across so many different areas and levels um, as as Jimmy said like with the situation with Oakley there's so much in here that if we want to defend the reason for keeping it open and, and not converting it to whatever it is they're going to convert it to um, there is so much in this um, that we can use to our advantage. So I I think that it is, um, you know. Everyone knows that golf's a popular sport in Australia, but I don't think a lot of people knew exactly how big it was in in terms of uh, participation and, you know, the economic, social health, environmental benefits.
0: I suppose, like, think about your own golf club, uh, not just about golf. You've got green keepers. Mm-hmm. You've got mechanics who look after the green keeping equipment. You've got bar staff and in-house staff doing all sorts yep. of – Gardeners. And gardeners. And people like getting well, going. At, at, your club, at your
2: golf club. your golf course, someone who yes, cleans your shoes and lights her perso- cigar. Personal chef. Yeah. But
0: that's the omelet maker yeah. and the guy who cooks the steaks. But you've also got that golf club is a business in part. Of the, <laughs> the guy should, who does the hot tub and the saunas and yeah. But that business is part of a local community, isn't it? Mm. That golf club does business. No, with they're not. Businesses it. Is, no, you're not let <laughs> me in, but you go out and get stuff. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> but that's what people don't think about, isn't it? I mean, the golf club is there and people go there to play golf. But the people that are servicing that facility who might have no interest in golf, but that's their employment. It's what's forgotten about Moore Park often, I think. Clover Moore often talks about Moore Park and we should do this and do that. No thought given whatsoever to the people who rely on that facility for their income and living who may have no interest, may even be anti-golf like her. hmm yeah, indeed,
1: and yeah. It's,
3: it's a great point, Rod, it's a, um, particularly in rural areas. I mean, the golf club is often the community hub um, in a lot of rural areas. It's not just people that play golf that come to the golf club. There's a restaurant there. There's a bar there. Um, you know, they might go to put their bets on on a Saturday afternoon, but in a lot of places, it really is the hub, and the industry employs so many people. It's a really important point, and, and all of that data is within this report.
0: Yeah, in fact, the local golf club in many towns is the evacuation point in bushfires yeah. and floods. And plays an important part in... Managing
1: floods as yeah, well, that's because it's often where the floodwater water is uh, designed to to run off to um, for stormwater protection. Mm. Uh, yeah, the, one of the standout figures for me, or just to finish that point actually, Rod, 7.23 million Australians uh, visit a golf facility for meals, drinks and various social, leisure and business activities. Yeah. My old,
0: my old club there at Mangrove Mountain- Not to play golf. 37 It was the local pub. Yeah. When you finished on a Wednesday afternoon in the comp, you came in and- I follow- there was a bar full of tradies and yep. local farmers who'd come to have an afternoon drink and they would stay and have dinner because there was... A- I
1: follow the Mangrove Mountain Instagram. They're always got little events on and stuff that they're pub- yeah, publicising through Instagram. Um, the uh, a, An area that Kaz just touched on there was the environmental benefits of golf. And this, for me, is just a standout figure that that's sort of tucked away in there and something we could spend a whole episode on, really. But $890 million... Uh, is the value of the environmental benefits of golf each year? And this covers off some of the obvious things like biodiversity, flood and stormwater protection, as I just mentioned, uh, but water filtration mm-hmm. um, and purification of water. Um, I think golf, people forget you. You may use a lot of water on a golf course, but it's not like it disappears. It no, go, that's right. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't go away. It just doesn't, like, vaporize. It actually… Eventually it does. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <But> <laughs> actually, a, do you know the water cycle? It's like, part you know of it the works? water cycle. That's right. <laughs> that's
1: right. It, it's like it doesn't um, completely disappear. Like, the water can go into the golf course. Uh, that You know, that said, golf, uh, you know, I'm a frequent advocate on here for golf courses, not overwatering and giving up that hyper-green image that's created by golf, especially in the US. I think most golf
0: courses and clubs are doing a good job of getting better at that. There's been a realisation in the golf industry that Augusta National should only be on TV. It's not what you want from your local golf course year-round, particularly if you're in a place where the environment doesn't support it. Sorry, Andrew.
1: No, that's right. Uh, Carbon sequestration is another part. And urban cooling, which I think is really significant, even... The place where I play has a role in urban urban cooling. It's uh, you know big green space, and I think to that point about targeting golf courses. I always think back to when before Google Maps existed. If you were looking to you just moved house, you're looking to join a golf course somewhere. You'd open up the Gregories and you'd just flick around until you see a big, big patch green, of green, big green mm. blot, and there's a good chance <laughs> that there'd be a golf. And course you go, Oh, that must be a golf course, <laughs> and you you'd work out what. Green blob is closest to where you live, and it's going to be a golf course
0: usually. Carol, yeah. yeah. you would come across naysayers. I think it's a small fringe of anti-golfers. For most people who don't play golf, it's just a general ignorance and an indifference. Why would they go out and educate themselves about golf if you're not interested in the game? There's no point. I take no interest in horse riding or sailing or any of those things uh, myself. What sorts of things do you hear from the naysayers and how much ammunition, quote unquote, for want of a better term, does this report give us to answer some of the criticisms? Golf isn't perfect. We know that. It has had issues in the past with using too much water, too many chemicals. You know, let's not pretend it's perfect. We've got ways to go. Diversity in golf is not what it should have been. What has this report helped us to show that we're moving in the right direction?
3: Well, I think I think most people um, in Australia, that if they don't play golf, somebody in their family does or one of their friends play golf. So I haven't really ever come across too many naysayers but obviously this report will provoke some we know that um but i think people know that golf is is a good game essentially and yes there have been issues across the board but we're doing we're working really hard now like i said in terms of um, diversity um allowing every Australian or, or wanting to welcome every Australian to play golf, you know, that's really important to us. So I think that there's, there's a lot of work being done, and particularly in that environmental space, Um, that there's so much work being done as Adrian alluded to across all of those areas. Um, I think that it, it's, it's really hard to say that golf isn't doing anything to, to try and I guess, change the image and perception. And, you know, one of our pillars is, as Jimmy knows is telling our story better. And, and, you know, this will help us tell our story much better for those who are, uh, you know, the, the, the people that are trying to shut down these golf courses, this gives us the ammunition to say, well, actually, what you're saying is factually incorrect. You know, that, that's not true. And I think that some of the stuff that's come out from Oakley, um, some of the images on social media, you know, they're so powerful, you know, in terms of all abilities, in terms of kids and women, um, you know, people from all backgrounds, um, being able to have access to golf um that hasn't always been the case so i think there's been so, there's so much good work going on um and i know within uh, golf australia Damien debone and his team are doing a great job um with the clubs and facilities um department in going around to golf clubs and and helping them become um better across the board so i think that you know golf isn't standing still Where you know we know as you said we know that Historically, there's been some culture issues. There's been, um, you know, some issues that you know we're not proud of. But we're working hard behind the scenes, everyone in the game, to, to sort of repair any of the damage. And I think that golf's image is is changing. There's no doubt about that. But we have it a little way to go. But we're getting there.
0: Yeah, Golf's not alone in that, of course, and no, that's true of all society, isn't it? It's a constant. Cover. Absolutely. Shout out to a friend of the pod, Sandy Jamison. The images you're talking yep. about have predominantly come from him at Oakley. It could be. You're you're the storyteller, and and. Karen's right. It's the narrative around golf, the stories. We tell them beautifully inside golf. We Mm -hmm. need to get them outside golf. That's a challenge, and that's part of what this report is about. But you get a big report like this, where do you find the stories that actually resonate? Because we know, as journos, that it's about people, isn't it? Sandy – is a journo by accident yeah, what he sure. does there. That, he's telling the right stories, isn't he?
2: Yeah, I, I think we're literally two days after this report's mm-hmm. been released. It, it is released in one big One bulk chunk, and yeah. Here you go, here's the headline number, there's some other pull-out numbers, and this is why we're excited. This then sits as a resource for until the next one. And it is there to be brought up in conversations with people, but also used to pitch into journos of different areas. So, you go You're out, going
0: to have a quiet Thursday one day, Jimmy. You're going to be scratching for a story. Just go to the report. That's my tip.
2: <laughs> You'll find
0: something might, that you can follow give up myself on. a couple of days <laughs> off the report.
2: I've spent a lot of time around for a while. But the, the idea being that I, I had a conversation with a friend of mine uh, who's a uh, chief political editor for TV and sent him this and said, any interest? Yeah, Absolutely. Straight away, because there's these headline numbers and it was involved with Parliament House, which is fantastic. But then having conversations with tourism journos. Oh, yeah, there's something in there for us. I had a long chat with an environmental journo the other day. Specific direction to that section. We're getting interest from people who are not normally covering golf. They're no interest in tournament golf. Because we've got this broken down, Um, there can be further looks at things and everything like that as you... As you would understand, this report, as big and as dense as it is, is a tidying up and a you know a compression of a, a lot more data, a lot more data. So um, there is stuff in there ongoing to entertain different areas of interest and also argue different fights or questions, um, which will be part of the the role of you know uh, the AGIC less so probably the the teams within Golf Australia and the PGA because they're the ones fielding inquiries media-wise and stuff like that. But um, And proactively pushing it. And proactively like, pushing it, which it. is the other thing. I mean, so that's, that's this, as Karen said, tell our story better stuff is, you know, the storytelling around the good things in golf, which is you've spoken about it so much, about telling it outside. Now, there's obviously the job to tell it, along through their channels, but also to reach out to other people and Mm. find them, um, which I think this report has been a good example of doing that more successfully. Um, There's a couple of other of those of of finding people because there's very proactive and passionate people about it. Um, And I think one of the other things that I take out of it, we're talking about the environmental stuff. As Logue said and as Kaz just said, there's huge efforts in that area currently and ongoing. So those numbers are startling. Those numbers are going to get Just to better. Start, that's right, yeah. We're only, like, just on that. So, I, I didn't, you know, the design of the report and it sits low in it. I, I was saying earlier, environmental's huge. It's probably because it's on its upper trajectory. Like, the next time this is done, it's going to be even better. 0.7 with a bullet. Yeah.
1: One, one figure that particularly stands out for me is that there's 1.8 billion... Uh, spent on golf clothing and equipment and, and other Apparel. associated things. How much of and, that you goes know, to Angus and Grace Go Golfing, <laughs> getting his greedy hands on some of that $1.8 <laughs> million. This is, this is, is one, best, of our one of the
2: best sponsor reads you're ever going to hear, Kaz. <laughs> the, the sponsor of our podcast,
1: Angus and Grace Go Golfing, uh, purveyors of fine golf apparel. Apparel.
2: Clothier to uh, the Gala Boys. <laughs> Clothier to the Gala Boys. Where, where can you find out a little bit more about Angus you, and Grace Go you Golfing? You can into? go to angusandgracegogolfing.com or you can find Angus and Grace go Golfing on Instagram or go into 34 William Street, Paddington. 37. You'll find it on You'll the Street right. Paddington. Wander it. along William Street Paddington. You'll find a clothes Street, shop that's got a golf thing. you go thing. in there of an afternoon. And right next to
1: Nudie Jeans and, and by Charlotte on the corner. By Charlotte. And you go yeah.
2: in there and Matt will probably give you a beer if you go in there mm-hmm. in an afternoon. If you're, Not that I if, would know. If
0: you'd like to hear a decent ad read for Angus and Grace go golfing, <laughs> tune into the Australian Golf Passport podcast. They do
2: a magnificent job of that. Got to admit,
0: they do it much better. Right up front. Part of what Jimmy's talking about there, Kaz, is media relations. And that's a prime example that he's given of his mate who's the chief political editor. A lot of people outside media don't understand how it works. If you're a journo, you've got a round. And if your round is industrial relations, every day you've got to find something to put in the paper. And that's really exciting when you're young. And then as you get a bit older, it's like, I really can't think of anything to do. Giving those people stories, and Jimmy's on the money with the reaction. If I'm an environment writer for a newspaper or for a website, and someone says to me, here's a legitimately interesting environmental story, I'm just going to drop this in your lap. Not only am I going to run that story, I'm now more inclined there's been a connection made where journos work on contacts. It's a people industry. You ring people to get the information that you need. And I wonder whether that's something that golf as an amorphous mass has been in a position to really do probably before, and whether the way golf looks now at that administrative level with the WPGA, PGA, GA all working more closely, where it's an opportunity, is it not now, for us to – well, our mustaches in the back room and, and massage the message to, to the press. But do you know what I'm saying? That That's perhaps where golf has fallen down in its image outside the game.
3: I think so. And I think that, you know, golf has been um – I guess accused of just being all about professional golf for so long in Australia. It's just all the talk is about the tours and the players. And I know that criticism is, is comes up every now and again, but I think that that hopefully this will actually make people see that there's so much else going on. And and I've got to, you know, say hats off to Josh Martin and, and his team, which includes Jimmy now, um, public affairs and marketing at Golf Australia and the PGA. Um they've done a fantastic job. Um and Josh's network is is very wide and broad. And I think that that what this report's al- report allows us to do it, 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 people from, as Jimmy said, people from outside golf are interested in, in this information. Um, you know, Kieran Perkins spoke at the, uh, the breakfast in Canberra the other day. You know, obviously Kieran's swimming background, but obviously heavily involved with Sport Australia. But, um, people from outside golf are looking at this report, which is fantastic. And that's absolutely what we, we can, we can get it out to, to everyone in golf. And that's great. But we want to get this far and wide. We want everyone in Australia to know that golf is big. It's growing and, and some of these numbers, in here, which which we know are just going to be so great for us moving forward. So I think it, uh, this this will enable us to to create interest outside the game, which we probably haven't had much traction there before. Yeah, that's really
0: important. Did Kieran come from table eight to the podium just out of nice. nowhere, just appeared? Was nice. that oh, you like that? Nice, did that. good. Well, it's very, very good. good. Speedy stick for a long time. He, <laughs> he rides it <laughs> hard. <That's
2: laughs> I saw him in an airport when I was a little kid, and yeah. I wrote a story about it. It's probably the first story I ever wrote. There you go yeah, like, right. fact. I'd love to put a picture of that in the
0: show notes one day. No. <laughs> Is it handwritten? Yes. Did Jim- you draw a little picture to go with little Jimmy yes. Jr. Did it, did it go I'm on the fridge at Oh, little <laughs> Jimmy Jr. That's, uh, Jimmy Jr. That's We're going to make that a thing. Kaz, you mentioned professional golf there, and it's become a standing joke, but uh, there's there's elements of this report about tourism in regional areas, regional Australia particularly. Professional golf has a role to play there, doesn't it? I think Golf New South Wales has been doing a fantastic job. What did they play at Dubbo a couple of years ago? What was oh. it <laughs> Uh, I taught, And you were out Legendary there. Legendary event. Uh,
2: Kaz, but that Kaz really, at really-
1: Of course she was. was. The, the, oh, of
2: course she was. That is Rod's favourite golf tournament he's ever covered, and Do he you, talks about it every single podcast. Do I you realise how significant it. that event was, Kaz? It Ch- changed Rod's life. Yeah. <laughs> it's up there. It was good.
0: It was really good. But that's kind yeah. of important. We see <laughs> the same thing at Bonville up near Coffs Harbour each year. There's a role for professional golf it? isn't there? We're not going to see the Australian Open go to regional Australia, understandably, but that seems to me the place where professional golf can have a real impact beyond just golf.
3: Yeah, I think so. And, you know, our events, um, our WebEx plays series events, we have one down at Rosebud, which is, you know, quite close to the city. But obviously we go out to Cobra and Baruga. We go to the Hunter Valley. So, you know, we are looking to take our events definitely into regional areas. Um, like you said, it's a real boost for the, the local economies when we do take a, an event, um, there. But it's also that the whole town, um, <clears throat> excuse me, really get, excuse me, um, Gets really gets behind the event and gets involved. And the event at Cobram Baruga, we have so many volunteers. If we have events in, in the cities, a small, you know, smaller events that aren't Australian Opens, it's quite difficult to get yeah. volunteers and people to get really engaged in the events. But when you go to regional areas, like literally the whole town is involved in the event in some way. So it's really powerful, absolutely.
0: Yeah, the Vic Open might be the best. Example yeah. of that. If you walk down the, the street yeah, of the Vic of Open, course. ask those cafe owners down there what they think of the Vic Open, and they are all for it coming back twice
2: yeah. a year if you could. Well, the, you've Absolutely. got this week's Webex Player Series at Wollonga, which is McLaren Vale. It's close, very close to Adelaide, but it's its own sort of you know, it's a public council-owned golf course that's getting its first big tournament and the amount of people coming in and spending, but also just the entertainment factor that's there. Last week at Kalgoorlie, like the city of Kalgoorlie, Boulder have just signed up for another three years of that event. So I think that the, by the end of the third year, it'd be 15 years. They've had the WPGA in in Kalgoorlie. That shows the value of that to a regional area. Kalgoorlie is obviously a different kind kettle of fish to Coburn Baruga, but it shows that value of going to those regional areas and the influx of people and, and whatever, and like you say, cafe owners and everything like that, getting the spend, but also the volunteers absolutely love it. Like yeah. there's, there was when we were doing the TV last week, we had a volunteer who was assigned to us as a runner. Oh, your own copy boy. It got How my, good's that? Got my lunch. It was great. Fabulous. <laughs> but he is running around like mad in 30-odd degree heat up and down hills in red desert dirt, and he's having the time of his life. Mm. Like, and he does it every year at Cal. He is the TV guy, which is probably one of the dud ones because he's got to do more. You to get- you're doing battery runs. You're doing all that stuff. Yep. As M- po- Mr. Emmanuel doesn't like his yeah, coffee. Ex- that yeah, made right. this way. Well, yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> right. That's exactly how it went. But that, that regional element for the professional side of golf is so important. I and think the- – Amateur golf, too. Well, I was going to say the the mid-amateurs
1: and all of those little tournaments bring... Massive, uh, and, you know, this very conscious effort has occurred to bring those tournaments to regional areas, and I think there's well, a huge benefit to that.
2: New South Wales I, amateurs going to your old stomping ground next year. Maitland. Not Maitland. <laughs> it's going to uh, Pacific Dunes and Belmont. Oh, I saw that. They're a long way apart from each other. They are. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I also had, I had questions about <laughs> I did, that. But. I did ask Dave Tease if there was a special exemption for a broken down old amateur, <laughs> but I was told no. <laughs> no. Very, very interesting. Um
1: I mean, we tend to focus a lot on this podcast, and I think just golf media in general focuses a lot on professional – I wasn't – I didn't say us, but uh, the – uh, for, from professional golf, and mm-hmm. we just have there. What I actually really like about this report, though, is that it's the 99.99% of yes. other golf which um, is contributing to this number, and this is golf. This is,
0: actually, this is golf. actually golf. It's what's in this report. That's true globally, too, not just here yeah. in Australia, and it's, that's a, it's a misperception outside the game. We're obsessed with Tiger Woods and Greg Norman and Live Golf, and there's news elements, there, and it's understandable why, but for most people, Mangrove Mountain's a classic example of this. Jordan Spieth could have lobbed up at Mangrove Mount, and I guarantee you 40% of the membership wouldn't have known who he was. Yep. But I thought, who's that well-dressed young bloke who looks like he's got a good swing? Mm. Yep. You know? Did he pay his green fee? Oh, he's not carrying a sand bucket. It's that sort of thing. Well, he hasn't done anything for a few years. <laughs> no, that's so right. That's uh, fair enough. It <laughs> seems unlikely he'll end up at Mangrove Mount. <laughs> but if he does, it'll be, it'll be uh, pretty exciting stuff. Because this feels like the culmination of a bunch of moves, I sort of alluded to it, this sort of shift in golf in the last decade. It's been a very fragmented thing in Australia, golf has not it, at the administrative level. What's your own personal feeling? You've been around the game for quite some time. What's your own feeling about that? It, it, it hasn't been, you don't make omelets without breaking eggs and it hasn't all been beer and Skittles and, and terrific fun along the way. What's your feeling about where we are now and where we're heading? It does feel to me that like there's been a shift and I think the WebEx player Series is a fabulous example of that.
3: Yeah, um, thanks. I, I agree, but we, we love the Webex players series, but no, there has been a shift and, um, it's been a long time coming, to be honest with you. It's, um, yeah, it's been, you know, I've been in this role just over 10 years now, which has flown by, but, um, you know, halfway through, I was, you know, pretty downcast about the future. There was, uh, very little co- collaboration in the industry. Um, you know, lots of, butting heads and yeah you know when when the work started on the Australian golf strategy that really did bring a lot of people together because it was a truly collaborative effort um and you know that what came out in the strategy I think was fantastic for the game um obviously you know we're working really closely with the PGA. We have a services agreement in place with the PGA now, and we're one year into that, which is great. So, you know, I think, you know, in terms of the leadership, um, James, uh, Sutherland at Gulf Australia and Gavin Kirkman at the PGA. Um, I think that, you know, it's, it's taken a real willingness from them to say, well, actually, the game's a bit bigger than all of us and we're not actually traveling as well as we'd like to think we are so we really need to do some work on this so yeah i think it's uh you know uh, the, i guess the catalyst for it was um you know changes in leadership uh, but obviously just a willingness to, you know, leave your egos at the door and look, we're in this to grow the game. We're, we're not in this for ourselves. So, um, a genuine shift. And, you know, for me personally, I feel more positive about the direction that golf in Australia is heading than I ever have before. Um, you know, certainly the work that's being done in the women and girls space by Tiff Cherry at Golf Australia has been fantastic. The Junior Golf Scholarship, the, um, that, that's out there now. Um, there's so many really good initiatives and, and resources being put towards women and girls where, you know, it was really ignored for, for many, many, many years at so many levels. Um, so, there's there's so much good work being done by Golf Australia, by the PGA uh, now, in, uh, right across the board, really. Yeah. Um, and again, there's some great people working for both organisations, so I think that we're all lucky. There's a lot of people coming from outside the game, which I think has been great for the sport to get fresh ideas and fresh perspectives, because, you know, we all know if you're ingrained in, in the game for a long time, your ideas can get a bit stale. So, yeah, there's been a lot of good work done, and genuinely we're in a good place and and having now access to this report, that's only going to elevate us to the next level. Yeah. You know, we're armed with some fantastic, um, you know, hard data now. So it's it's only going to help us grow the sport even further.
0: It's been evolution, not revolution, Logue, like, that shift in golf. Is there an element of generational change to that, do you think? There are a bunch of people now in those organisations who are of a generation who think differently to previous generations, and that will keep happening, but is that kind of the key to it? It could
1: be. I'm always a little bit surprised that uh, there's a lot of people working in administration in golf who aren't actually members of golf clubs, or, yeah. but often they were members of golf clubs, but they're just like anybody else when they get into the workforce you know, from 22 to sort of you know 45. Oh,
0: who's <laughs> retiring early? No, no.
1: Just <laughs> All right, money bait. By That's the time nice. people are done with kids and everything yeah. around or starting to be freed up from kids and, and that sort of thing. Then they get back into golf around 45. I think things generally show the life cycle of a golfer. But uh, it's, it's interesting that, you know, a bunch of those people who've played a bit of golf as a junior, maybe got to an elite level, but then get into golf administration and then come come at it with ideas from that perspective of like, well, I don't have a lot of time for golf. I've got to get into this in other ways. And again, you know, just referencing the report, there's, I think it was, this, this one set me, Back, it's quite amazing. Fifty-three percent of um, people who play off-course golf, other forms of golf, uh, were women. Fifty-three mm. percent. Yeah, and that rings true actually with my own experience because, and again, this thing about golf clubs being intimidating places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it's it's no surprise really. I mean, that's a problem. It's both a strength and a problem that it highlights there because why you got to, I think you got to ask why that occurs, and I think it's partly that. Women find golf courses really intimidating, particularly private golf courses. Public golf courses a little less so. Uh, you know, the comment was made on the social media post the other day from Sandy that at Oakley, nobody really cares what your level of play is. Yeah. You mm. can just go and play without judgment. Um, but you know, I think a lot of women, in particular, feel like they've got to buy a set of clubs, go to a driving range for six months, get lessons before they'll even be allowed on a course. Or a lot. Some people might have gone to a course first, got stung by some slight yeah. um, that is even difficult to articulate, and then have been scared away from it, and then but want to come back to it. So then they go to practice facilities and have another run at it via that direction. So it, it highlights a problem as well as... Um, an interesting statistic or it's an area to drill into i
0: think does funny does funny things to people golf Done. how many people have you have you, have told you over time oh, i'm not good enough to have a
2: lesson yet oh yeah. 100 yeah. <laughs> i'm
0: not good enough to go and see a golf professional
2: yeah. yet. it's like it's like someone being really sick and saying, i'm not sick enough to go to a doctor that's yet right. like yeah, it's it's this sicker, is the thing that fixes right. it this is what yeah. uh, i've got, but,
0: got to get to incurable yeah, before i right. go and see a <laughs> <that's> doctor <laughs> and
2: give them but a chance i think to help. i think that's definitely been a lot of that research that's saying is that off course facilities are far less intimidating and time constraint, time consuming as well. Mm-hmm. That includes simulator golf, which is this huge booming thing yeah. worldwide, but particularly in Australia. New simulator facilities are opening all the time, yep. and are the ideal thing. They're sitting there in maybe a shopping centre or in like a you know industrial area where there's parking. You can go in, you can have an hour on a simulator, you can mm. go home. There's one in the Big Bear. Uh, yeah, shopping center here at Neutral yeah. Bay, which seemed like the most
1: unlikely place ever to have mm. a golf simulator. But it's and it's just shoved into like yep. a. Are you sending them an invoice a for that suburban mall? <laughs> no,
2: because he has <laughs> name. I, I, I don't even know what they are. No, I don't either.
1: I, I was staggered when I saw it because it's just next to the escalators there in next, Nick like Coles, the yeah. place where you'd normally
0: see a cafe or yeah. something, and it's a golf simulator. It looks yep. really out of place, but yep. it's obviously they're actually in there. residences now. There's a big tower across the highway here, the landmark at St Leonard's yep. that has as part of the as mm. is the new one that my mates moving into up here. It, that's what they, they've got. Three golf simulators. That's part of the. No way. Yeah, one doesn't have that. That's part of the part of the deal. You yeah, get a, you get a membership to the golf simulator
2: downstairs. So. Yep. and that's that rings very true. And I think we talked about you go have a bad experience at a golf course. It's also well meaning, but just mm. ill in like ill informed, or well, I'm not sure what it is. Golfers in people's lives as well. Men you is the word them, you're
0: looking for, isn't it? Oh, it's definitely, <laughs> men.
2: It's without question, men who know a person who's asking about getting into golf and don't sell it as well as they could. That's probably been true of the entire industry, but particularly of like golfers in around that you know. Want to encourage, but don't necessarily do it. The all next right, way. enough with me explaining that to me. Okay?
0: <laughs> Kaz, the That's... game is infuriating at every level, isn't it? To play, absolutely, uh, to try and get better at, and in this area too, is it? It's full of contradictions, and it's like a hairball. Everything you pull on this side to try and make something better has an impact over this side that you may not have seen. How have you enjoyed being at the, uh, you know, riding the the crazy horse that is golf and an administration? Uh, little.
3: Yeah, no, it's been um, it's been an interesting journey to be honest with you. And you know, I did have a little bit of a background, um, you know, with my work with the Ladies Europeans Tour when I was still playing. But obviously, um, you know, taking this on full time has been a, a different beast for sure. And it yeah, it's been a great learning curve. I um, met some wonderful people um, along the journey, but it, it's a lot of up and downs. Um, you know, a lot of days where you just you know you spring out of bed and you you know can't wait for today and get into action. The other days you're just like, oh, am I really just beating my head up against a brick wall? And is anybody? actually listening Um, but yeah I mean like I said the last the last you know three years has been you know nothing but positives to be very honest with you it's been been great for women's golf um, to see and not just women's golf women's sport you know to see women athletes um you know involved in all sports being recognized and and for them to get the accolades and the media attention um you know it's just been fantastic but but for women in golf to actually have a seat at the table in all of these discussions um you know is is amazing and and that that didn't happen before it was it was it was kind of okay to just ignore the the women's professional arm in Australia for many many years uh but all of a sudden there was a focus on women and girls and it's like oh my god we can't just keep ignoring these people now uh, they've got a role to play in this so yeah it's it's been a lot of ups and downs but but really now um nothing but positives and i think that you know the future for golf in Australia is no doubt um you know we're we're in the best place we've ever been and we can only can only keep going upwards
0: at what point did you think to yourself, I'm going to Parliament House in Canberra to talk about golf? That would have been – not even – there wouldn't have been a table in the office that you could have put that on 10 years ago, I wouldn't have thought.
3: No, that's right. And, you know, I've got to pay tribute to, um, a, you know, a couple of people, particularly Meryl Swanson, who's the um, the federal member for Patterson. Meryl and I actually played junior golf together going back many, many years, and she's a great advocate, and she spoke so beautifully at Parliament House the other day. So we've got some great adv- advocates for the game, Um The, the deputy prime minister, Richard Miles is a really keen golfer and he was there the other day too. So, you know, there's a lot of people that absolutely love golf and and those guys don't get to play anywhere near as much as they'd like to. Obviously running the country takes a little bit more time out of their schedule, but, um, you know, having some advocates like that's great. But no, you're right. I couldn't have dreamed that I would be, you know, standing there presenting, you know, the, the benefits of golf to, you know, some of the most important people in the country. So it's, it's been, it's been a great, a great journey. And like I said, a huge learning curve for me too.
1: And and give yourself some credit there, Kaz, as well. Um, You're now chair of the AGIC. I think that appointment was last Last, year. Last year. Just time last year. And it's an organisation that's done a great deal of good for Australian golf. Um, It's the Australian Golf Industry Council. Um, is it made up of? It's way, a combination right? of the peak bodies of golf in Australia.
0: There was a media component to it when it was initially launched, I think. Is that still the case? There was Some of the Great media organisations were well, part of it. You
2: yeah. got, uh, well, Sports Turf Managers Association, yeah. Australian Sporting Goods Association, yeah. Golf Management Australia, and Society of Australian Golf Course Architects. Mm. Right. Yeah. yeah.
1: At That's times, cool. I think, at, b- before, like, I, I want to finish my compliment, Kaz. Right. Before, at times, there was uh, uh, a question about the role, I think, of yeah. that organisation well, in Australian mm. golf. It was delivering benefits but uh, just how great were those benefits? To me, this has Mm. really taken it to the next level and and really highlighted what I think the charter of that organisation should be about, and that's... uh that's a, a credit to you, I think. Has yep.
2: agree?
3: Oh, thanks, Adrian. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that this is is probably the most important piece of work that's ever been done um, within golf in Australia. So, you know, it's certainly not just me. It's obviously Gavin and James have a big role on that, as do um, the other the other um, representatives from each of the other organisations. So, it is, um, yeah, I think we've done some great work, but again, it's it's due to some having some great people involved. Stakeholders, I think, is the word you look. Yeah,
2: for, we all yeah. stakeholders. stakeholders. You've got to have right. Stakeholders. Right.
0: stakeholders. That's important. Yeah. <laughs> Go back quickly, just for a second. Second, to to women's golf and women's sport generally, it's been—you're right—it's been fantastic. We've seen an explosion in the popularity and the coverage of women's sport. Awkwardly, for golf and tennis in particular, I think we're now competing for <laughs> against other sports. Yeah, you know, they're now thinking about playing AFLW and soccer instead. What are we doing about that in golf?
3: Yeah, and and that's a really good point, Rod. Um, obviously, you know, other sports are looking for talented young mm. girls, whether they be. You know, playing whatever sport, if they're talented athletes, we know that there's sports out there with more money than us that spend more on, um, you know, junior engagement. So yeah, we have to, we have to have a seat at the table. We have to have junior programs that are, that are getting kids engaged. Um, the junior girls scholarship, my golf girls, I think the figures have been up, um, 30% in the last year. The junior girls scholarship continues to grow, but we've got to keep creating those pathways to keep girls in the game. I think that's key. Um, you know, we've got to get them in when they're young and, and stop the other codes poaching them. <laughs> Um, that's obviously a challenge, um, and that's something that we're just about to start another piece of work. Um, you know, on that retention piece in in keeping girls in golf, which I think is going to be really important. But to keep those pathways going, because you're right. I mean, you know, at women's AFL, women's rugby, um, obviously we've got cricket, basketball we've got football, now, the ones. Matildas. You know, with the, every sport. Um, but I think you know, I think that. The more girls that are out there playing sport, yep. the more girls that are going to play golf. Rising all boats. Yeah. Don't. And golf is yeah, a great exactly. second Rising sport, too, I think.
0: Uh, Kari Webblety, there are loads of professional women cricketers and soccer players who line up to play golf
2: with oh, her. Uh, Ash, Ash Barty's a great fan of playing yeah. golf with Kari. It's their second sport. Yeah, that's right. It's Alyssa Healy's yeah. massive as well into, into golf. And then I was going to say. We're, you're starting to see pro-ams at Aussie at events filling up with AFLW players and all this sort of stuff. I think there's twin sisters who play for Richmond in the AFLW, Jess and Sarah Hosking. I think it was Jess who played How the- How you know?
1: Who <laughs> like played- Which <laughs> one of you got?
2: Who knows? <laughs> who played the Aussie PGA pro-am last year and then sat in a grandstand behind the first tee- the rest of the day, watching that. just watching golf and engaging with any single person I was so fascinated by it. So it's that same thing as the, the male AFLW players and the cricketers who just are obsessed with the golf. It's the same. But Kaz has mentioned the uh, Junior Girls Australian Golf Foundation. I've had this open because I've seen a fair bit of this lately. So 2021 that starts and 37 clubs are funded. That's up to 142 clubs wow. this year. 226 scholarships goes to 974. Wow. So that that program I think deserves you know, while we're talking numbers and resolve. all that sort of that's stuff very that, good. that that's creates exceptionally more
1: applicants for golf that'll introduce yeah. more people families like a- and
2: everything like that like I think I think most of us always talk about there was a family member who played golf. That's yep. how we got into golf. Yep. I hear more and more stories of a child getting introduced to golf, then dragging their family mm-hmm. along. Yeah, hey, yeah great- and
3: that's been the case certainly with the junior Girl scholarship. Some of the feedback we've had, but um, you're right, it's growing and will continue to grow. But one of the the great pieces of um, data was the f- uh, out of the first year there was an 89% retention rate in girls that stayed on as members at the golf club, but, which is extraordinary. So, I mean, that that really tells a story that, that that the program's doing a great job. Obviously, it's engaging with PGA professionals at the club to teach the girls, you know, everything they need to know in the first year. But then they're bringing their parents, they're bringing their family, and obviously then they're, they're staying on at the golf club. So it's really important, not just in terms of getting more women, you know, to play on tours eventually because we all know we don't have the, the critical mass there that we need. But just more women working in the industry. I think that's really important in terms of, you know, we want more women managers. We want more women superintendents and people working at golf clubs and certainly, you know, teaching pros. I think that's a big focus for all of us. So, yeah, I think that that will be a game changer. We might not see the benefits of that for another maybe, you know, five to ten years, maybe a little longer, but um, we will definitely see the benefits of that in the long term.
0: You build a stronger house when you get the foundations, right, Kaz? And you can look for immediate success in those things. It rarely does it. Is it the best way forward? You know, lurching from quarter to quarter, trying to produce a profit, is kind of a modern mm. idea. You're better yeah. off to look five or ten years ahead and say, "Let's build this into something." Because five and ten years goes like that. You've been in the job ten years, because I remember when you were given the, when you got the job, not given the job when yeah. you got the job, and it was like it was like it was yesterday. Two things sort of sprung to mind for me then when you were talking, because The first one is the game sells itself. In fact, we just need to get people to try it. Mm-hmm. And that's always been the case. And we forget that. Golf will hook people. It will always hook a certain percentage of the population if you can just get it in front of them and get them to try it. But more importantly, perhaps with what we're talking about here and the numbers that Jimmy was talking about, the key word there is momentum, isn't it? We feels like we've got momentum. You and I have spent plenty of time off here complaining about the golf industry and all of the things that are wrong with it. It really does feel different. This momentum, how do we make sure to capture it and keep it going?
3: Yeah, I think you're right. We just can't sit still. And, and that's one thing that we're talking about. Like, you know, we launched the strategy two years ago, you know, and that's just flown by. Um, So now we're looking, okay, well, what does the next five to ten years look like across the whole of golf, not just Golf Australia, PGA ourselves? So I think we have to keep looking forward, and, and that's what we're doing. We're not just sitting still saying, well, golf's in a great place. Aren't we doing a great job patting each other on the back? Not at all. You know, we need to keep the momentum. And, and as you said, I think COVID helped us, but certainly people were worried about what would happen when everyone else went back to their original sports that they couldn't play during COVID, but the numbers have shown that people are still playing golf. So, yeah, we just need to keep working. We need to keep – keep, as you said, there's no point just stumbling along from month to month, year to year, as we did for many, many years. Um, we have to keep looking forward, and that's certainly certainly the plan um, at the moment. Hmm.
0: Well, you're playing your role in that, Kaz, and a very important one at that, and congratulations on that fabulous report.
2: Well, I do urge people to go and look at Where can they find it, Jimmy? Golf.org.au. There's a story there and then there's a link through to it. Uh, there is a dedicated landing page as well, but that website is going to be a bit more complicated for me to read off the top of my head. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. So go to the Golf Australia uh, website. It's the first point of course. Do urge golfers, if you've got any interest in the game
0: beyond just whatever you scored on the last hole or your last Stableford round... Do yourself a favour and go and have a read because all of us come across people who, when they find out where golfers like to tell us how bad we are for the world and why the game's terrible yeah. and those kinds of things,
2: be a little bit armed so that you can defend that beyond all I like how there's, it feels when I hit the ball. Yeah, there's a, there's yeah. a media release that explains, outlines some of it, that mm-hmm. will give you the sort of very broad brush overview. overview. Then there's a one-page explainer as well. So there's different ways that you can engage with it if you don't have the time or the want to sit down. Um, I, I can't wait to well-actually somebody. Oh, yeah. Well, well, actually, well, actually
0: well,
1: 9.75 million. Have it on your phone, trips, so Just have it on your phone. Call it out. Just so yeah. well, look.
0: No need for me to tell you. read the, Read it for yourself. Read the it's data in print. Read yeah. the data. That's, exactly that's right. That's
2: right. I, do, I must say, when Kaz was speaking before about with the women and girls and stuff, and talking about obviously we want tour players, that's ideal, but that just getting women golfers right. and women in the industry, I think it's been a really refreshing thing. And this report doesn't necessarily drill into it too much, but it is a little bit that. All of the organisations in golf in Australia are so focused on the holistic version of golf. So from someone trying to win a major to someone playing for the first time and just a club member. As a kid, my involvement being heavy in golf, it was so much more hyper-focused on elite golf at club level, at every level. It's really a nice change in that period of my life to see that that focus shift. And I think that's represented in what's going on with Sandy at Oakley, that every single person is falling into line to try and help the cause there.
0: Because it is a responsibility of all of us, isn't it, Kaz? Whether you're in administration, whether you're in the media, whether you just happen to play Golf on a Wednesday and/or a Saturday, or you play it three times a year. We've all got a responsibility to sort of sell the game uh, in that sense. So
2: yeah, good stuff. Logan, I'll be in Melbourne next week. Maybe we should go for nine holes at Oakley. Oh, well, you yeah. One club. Lend S- our support. Play, play, play
0: one play, club. Go and play one club
2: $10,000 $10, a hole. Speaking of Sandy,
0: I, I think he's come He's come up with a fabulous uh, little notion of nursery to nursing home. And that really is- Yeah,
2: uh, that uh, was- I was who, doing- Was that him or was oh, that someone else? Real ideas, man. Uh, he it, is an idea. I was doing yeah. some stuff around Oakley. A hoodie wearing ideas, man. Who'd oh, thought? Subversive. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and he- I think it was Sandy who said to me, a place like Oakley is where you start and finish your golf journey. Uh, good call. And I- was talking with Damien DeBowen who if Kaz mentioned earlier, and we were talking about that and we both just said that's such great messaging on what that sort of public golf course is. It's brilliant. It's really and brilliant. It's so true.
3: It's yeah, so it's true, absolutely. isn't it? It's absolutely, absolutely. it's not the service. That is absolutely true. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, really, really important. And good on you, Sandy. Yeah, good on you, Sandy. Sandy really yeah. is the driving force of of this at the moment, and and it's well. I can tell you, it's gone global. I got a DM on Twitter from a guy in America the other mm-hmm. day saying, "I've been watching this thing at Oakley. You guys have a chance to save it." You know, he's genuinely interested. He's like, I don't know. We're trying. I don't think it's it's not as under threat as Northcote was in that way, but I think no. there's more organised forces at work at at Oakley that want to do away with it, and that'll be. Uh, tricky in that sense, but what's the role just quickly in that sense, um, Kaz? I like to lay the, the responsibility for everything in golf at the feet of Golf Australia. All of it's their problem, from the Australian Open all the way down to Oakley, but what is the role for administrators there? I've always felt or felt for a long time, it's a space we should be proactive in. Somebody should be driving around the country to councils and saying, have you got a golf course? Hey, we're from Golf Australia. We can help you. Here's what you could do better. Here's what the things that it does. What is the role do you think? It's Obviously, you can't do everything as Golf Australia, but what's your thoughts about that?
3: Yeah no I I think it's a it's a good point. I think there is so much work being done behind the scenes that you know your average dough doesn't see and and Jimmy will be across a lot of the work that's going on um with public affairs and marketing team the work that we're doing with governments from all levels um of government from local government state and federal government. Um yeah so there's so much work being being done behind the scenes in this space and and it needs to needs to continue. There's a whole army of people from Golf Australia that go around the country um talking to the golf clubs and and you know telling them showing them the the best way forward, you know, what works, what doesn't work. So there's so much positive stuff being done. And, and you're right, I feel the same, Jimmy, that, you know, my whole world's been, you know, about, you know, high-level like professional that. golf, and now it's so good to be working together with everyone on this holistic view and, you know, basically from from grassroots right through to every level and now having, you know, being armed with this report um, to help us grow the game.
0: Well, as I said, Kaz, congratulations. Fabulous effort on Australian go. This will be in circulation for a long time.
2: Absolutely. As a weekly columnist, I can tell you this is going to sit in, well, <laughs> in it's a folding there for me. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I mentioned it to you guys at one stage when we were talking about the RNA health report yeah. and that I was using You're that 100%. for something. And I was, I said, this is something similar that's going to sit there and you always go back to whenever you need it to. And we're, while we're giving shout-outs on it, a really... Special shout-out to Carly Goodrich and Nicole Reeve from uh, the Australian Golf Government Relations team who – Engaged in all the stuff at Canberra, and also Carly really was the absolute lead on this project right. from that side of things and has yeah, worked
3: absolutely, Jimmy. Good has call.
2: worked tirelessly on this. Who'd put their hand in- up? including <laughs> doing the lanyards on at <laughs> 1 am? I got a photo on Monday night before she, the, the Tuesday morning Parliament House. You could almost
0: have your job, Kaz. I've seen you doing lanyards and stuff at tournaments for the WPGA. Kaz, at Kaz times. was busy changing a logo on the website this morning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's no. <laughs> true. All hands, yeah. Who'd Want to organise an event at Canberra, God, that's a, that is brutal. You get worse for murder in some place, yeah. That's right, that's all that's awful. <laughs> uh, good work, Kaz. Good work, Jimmy. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking time today, Kaz. It's been great to chat to you. Maybe the last time we talked to you, we know that too. But thank you,
3: yeah. Thanks, guys. Great, great to chat with you, always.
0: Yeah, always, Jimmy. Thank you, mate. Thank you, Ross. Thanks for now. throwing this up too. That was really good. It was my it. pleasure. Uh, Logue, thank you. Thanks. Ooh. Ooh. Got a tip? Ooh. Ooh. thanks. Well. Ah, thank you ish, I guess. Ah, <laughs> you're all right. Logue's okay. That's it for episode, what episode? 162 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. We'll be back to do it again all, all again here. We'll be back next week. 163.
3: Bye. I thought it was 163. I'm I'm done.